So we chant Om. And we can do this audibly. And as we do it audibly, we can feel it resonating with the tissues in our body, especially with our spine and our chakras, the vital, vital centers in the spine. Um, and so, so as we begin, we chant sort of loudly. And then at the end, there's a nasalization where we close our mouth. And at that point, we can feel even more this vibration that moves through our whole system. So chant home with me one more time. And when you do this, be very sensitive to feeling it all the way through your system. Feel your whole body vibrating with this home. Oh. Oh. Now, one of the reasons that we chant Om is because it is said, uh, Patanjali says in the Yoga Sutra, that Om indicates. Ishvara, that Om is an indicator of ultimate reality. And how does this work? In our uh, yoga philosophy, especially in Samkhya, uh, it is said that the beginning, there is only consciousness. Consciousness is pure, unmanifest, uh, has no attributes, no characteristics. It just is. Satchidananda, that is existence awareness and bliss so and so within this field of pure conscious pure awareness there uh, there exists there manifests a polarization and i want to say for some reason but it's not for any reason it just happens so there's a polarization where consciousness on is on one hand and then within consciousness is an expressive aspect and this expressive aspect is said to have three primary characteristics or three attributes. And these are called gunas, guna from rope or thread. <clears throat> and these three gunas are sattvas, rajas, and tamas. Sattvas is that aspect which is emanating, which radiates, which is expansive. Tamas is the opposite. It is the contracting inertial heavy dense aspect and in between these two is the vibration the fluctuation that is rajas that is the motion between expansion and contraction the motion between expression and inertia between movement and stillness so this is rajas or or the active thing and now these three characteristics or attributes are are inseparable they are always all three together and it is said that when they are in balance when they are in perfect balance there is no manifestation there is no creation there is only beingness however as soon as awareness as soon as consciousness awareness observes the gunas this observation causes them to move to start to come out of balance and to start to interact and this interaction, this movement, uh, creates a mutual arising uh, 
all at once of time, space, motion, and fine cosmic particles or light particles. So these are the four beginning attributes of manifestation. And we can think about this. It's, it's, it's not too hard to see how this mutual arising has to take place. Um, if we have, a, say, a particle, a light particle or a fine cosmic particle, um, the particle has to exist somewhere. And so for it to exist somewhere, we need space. And for motion, for vibration to take place, for motion, there has to be space. So, so both motion and the particle require space to exist. And motion means that the particle is moving from one condition, one state, one place to another. And this takes place in time. So in order to have vibration, in order to have motion, we have to have time, we have to have space, we have to have these fine cosmic particles. All these things have to happen at once together. So there's a mutual arising of these uh, forces which begin as a vibration and the, the, the name, the sound of this vibration is said to be OM. So it is said that Ohm vibration is at the heart, at the core of all manifestation, all expression. Everything in the universe has at its heart this Ohm vibration. So, and because it's at the heart of every aspect, every atom, every subatomic particle, everything in the universe, it's active and, and available within us. So when we chant Ohm, whether it's audible or eventually whether it's mental, when we chant home, we come into resonance, we come into attunement with this um, emanating uh, aspect of ultimate reality. And it's like they, they, uh, if you take a tuning fork, say you have a little tuning fork that's tuned to uh, A, to 440, 440 uh, frequency. And if you have another tuning fork that's also tuned to the same frequency, if we strike the first one and get it vibrating, the second one will automatically start to vibrate. It resonates. So when we come into resonance, into harmony with anything in the universe, then uh, by tuning ourselves, by coming into resonance with it, we have access to its power and to uh, an, a deeper awareness of its reality. So, so it can be useful for us to chant Om, and then when we meditate to listen, and we can just listen to Om. And if we listen very quietly, intently, uh, when we sit within, um, we we will hear something. There, there's the, the subtle electric activity of the mental processes of the neurons, or there is actually uh, the movement of the air of the air molecules actually produces a very subtle impact on our eardrums and so there is a, an environmental sound that it, that we are sensitive to and and so we can hear something something when we just sit and listen and if we assume that that something that we're hearing is an aspect of this own vibration and we have the intention of listening very closely, very carefully, to try to determine its source. Where does it come from? What's the source of this sound that we're hearing, this vibration? And in the process, we are led, our awareness is led little by little back to 
the source back to the original ohm. So we can finally come to the place where we are resting in this ohm vibration. So, so that can be very useful. And because this ohm vibration, this vibration is at the heart of manifestation and creation, we see the evidence of this everywhere around us. So vibration is a change, a change in uh, amplitude, a change in location. Uh, something is moving from one condition or one state to another. And we observe in the world that, there, that we're involved in a process that is in constant change. So right now we are uh, in spring here in, in uh, the south, in Georgia, in the United States, we're experiencing spring. My little apple trees out in front are just starting to blossom, and the little bees are just happily dancing around the blossoms, and green stuff is popping up everywhere, and the lilac bushes are blooming, and the butterfly bushes are blooming, and so it's really quite remarkable. It's like life has come back, and spring is happening. And of course, for as far back as we have any recorded recordings in history, this has been a time of celebration everywhere on the planet. Every culture has had some ritual, some way of honoring and moving in harmony with spring. So it's a time of uh, renewal, rebirth, transformation. Uh, this Sunday is Easter Sunday, and this is a time when Christians all over the planet celebrate the rebirth the renewal of uh, Jesus, of their teacher. But this also was uh, implemented by Christianity because it came in harmony with, it resonated with much older traditions, much older spiritual and religious traditions. And so wherever Christians went because they decided to have Easter on this celebration of spring, they were accepted and everybody got to play nice together. So, so we have this, celebration of rebirth renewal and so that's kind of a wonderful reminder for us and we can also be reminded that this uh, opportunity to be reborn comes to us every day every morning i i i have this ritual i've had for many many years um, of waking up first thing in the morning and when i wake up i say thank you I'm born. I'm here. I'm alive. I can breathe. I can, you know, get up and provide a useful service. I can interact. I have another day, which is a gift. And so I, I say thank you, literally, to the universe for this gift of life. And so, so I see every day we're reborn, and every day that we're reborn, we have choices to make, and we can choose to be the same character and play the same role that we did yesterday, or we can choose to do something completely different, or we can choose to maybe improve on what we were playing yesterday and do a little better. So this option is always with us, and there is no, there is no uh, character, there's no persona police that says we have to be the same today that we were yesterday. We can just decide Time out. I'm going to renew the whole system. I'm going to going to have a, a a redo. I'm going to become somebody brand new today, and the brand new being that I'm going to be is going to be the the highest and best that I can imagine. 
I remember Paramahansa Yogananda said, you have to live life anyway, so why not live in the highest way? You know, this just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So we have the opportunity to, um, to be reborn, to restructure our mind, our emotional nature, our physical being. We can change everything by just simply setting our intention and then following through. And of course, it's wise to move as we are um, renewing ourselves, as we're being reborn. It is wise to uh, to begin to move in harmony with life, to be able to move in harmony with the laws of nature. So, you know, there are these cycles. And cycles, you know, the spring and summer and fall and winter, this is a vibration. The earth goes around the sun. This is cyclic and this is a vibration. Everything is vibration. Everything is changing constantly, always. And so it is. it behooves us to understand and to see the nature of these vibrations and then to move in harmony with them. To move in harmony means that we are cooperating with what's happening rather than coming across purposes and creating problems for ourselves. If we're having problems, if we're suffering, if we're having challenges, many times this is simply because we are at a cross purposes with what's happening, with the circumstances and events and the natural flow of life and the evolution of life. So, so we can look and, and observe and see what is happening and how can I move with this? How can I move in harmony with this? How can I be... Uh, more fully a part of it. So, so this is uh, so we're encouraged to do this. This is is recommended for us. And as we as we move through this, we can see that uh, it's possible at times that we are uh, creating problems because we're insisting on having the world be different than it is. We're insisting we're we're upset and we're trying to make changes in the events and circumstances around us, the people that we're with. You know, we always say, well, that person really needs some help. And, and I know what's best for them, you know. <laughs> um, and instead of trying to make things different in the world, one of the, one of the basic uh, teachings in our Kriya Yoga um, system is to develop contentment. Contentment means that we're okay now, no matter what's happening, we're okay, that we are content, that we have no strong need to make things happen, to change the world, to move things around. And from this condition, from this position of contentment, then we can go forth and we can allow our intuition, our inner knowledge to direct us to do what is useful, but without compulsion, without reacting to circumstances and events, without trying to push the world around. You know, it's sort of paradoxical. We are, we are taught about our, the power of our mind and the power of creative imagination. So we have the ability to hold a picture, an image in mind and have a corresponding feeling and this picture and this feeling together create a blueprint, create a pattern through which the universal perfect energy 
can come into manifestation. And, and this is a law of consciousness. This is a law of manifestation. So we have this power to be able to hold an image, to have a feeling, to set our intention, to hold with that and to live as though it were already so. And in that way, to allow the universe to manifest and to come into expression in harmony with whatever it is that we've held in mind as a picture. So this, this is real, this works. This is a law, just like gravity is a law and we don't have to believe in gravity. It works whether we believe in it or not. Um, in the same way, this law of mind works whether we believe in it or not. But it is useful for us to um, experiment with it and to become comfortable with it so that we can use this when we need to. So, but the paradox is that we don't always know what's best for ourselves and we don't always see the big picture and see what is happening, where the universe is going and how things are unfolding. And so it's possible for us to use this process to create things in our reality that aren't necessarily in harmony with the big picture and aren't necessarily good for us. When I first was, uh, when I first met Mr. Davis back in 1970, wow, that's a long time. Uh, when I first met, first met Mr. Davis, the first book of his that I read was How to Use Your Creative Imagination. And it, to me, it was a revelation. It was like mind expanding, psychedelic, opening. I thought, wow, this is really important. Why didn't they teach us this in school, you know? I also was very aware that uh, there were a lot of good ideas circulating out there. Uh, this was the 60s and everyone was, uh, you know, at the end of the 60s, everyone was very optimistic and changing the world and, you know, uh, things were happening in very interesting ways. And so I was aware that um, that this sounded like a really good idea, but if it was true, and if it was real, then it could be tested. If this is a law and it's scientific, then we can use it, test it, see if it works, and come into an awareness and understanding of its nature and how to work it. And so I did. I, I engaged in a, uh, you know, a very kind of aggressive process of using creative imagination to kind of conjure up everything that I thought I needed in my life. Um, and amazing, amazing how perfectly it works. Um, for some things it takes longer, for some things it's quicker, but it's impeccable. It absolutely, 100% uh, of the time, if you imagine, if you have a picture and you have a feeling, it's a done deal that, you know, it will be yours at some point. And so, so I observed this process working again and again and again. And in, first I observed that it had been working in the past, that it had uh, been the process by which I had uh, acquired certain things and made changes in my life. Again, not all of them were the best for me. Um, it's like if you give a, give a small child, give someone who's just learning how to drive, um, the big fancy hot rod Corvette that I ended up with and you can get yourself in trouble. And so, um, so it's, 
useful for us to understand these principles. It's useful for us to know how to use this. And it's also useful for us to be able to step back and see the big picture, see how life is working and come into some harmony with this. The problem with creative imagination, the downside of this, is that it implies if things are not going well for us, if circumstances and events in our life are a little wobbly, if we're suffering, if things just don't work, then it's our fault. It's our fault because we haven't used our creative imagination and we haven't been effective at doing what we know we can do to change the world, to manipulate the universe and to bring it under our will and our control. And of course, this is not true. You know, we are not running the universe. We can all sit down together and we can imagine the coronavirus off the planet and it's not going to change. It's going to be here because there are larger forces at work. There are processes that are already moving and that we are part of, not separate from, we are part of. And so these patterns that are in existence, patterns of creation, cycles of uh, expression, we are part of these, not outside. And so it's better for us, instead of trying to push the world around and make and conform it to our idea of how it should be, it's better for us to learn to come into harmony and balance with it. And so while I spent uh, several years in my youth um, demonstrating my power to exercise creative imagination, eventually I came to the realization that the ideal way to use creative imagination was sort of generically, was to say, see myself as perfect and whole, to see myself and feel myself to be in my right place, to be uh, offering a useful service, to doing whatever it is that was best for myself, for the, my friends and, the, and social acquaintances, for the environment, for society, to just see this was all working without having a specific picture, without having a specific image of what that looked like. And so I could rest in the feeling, in the picture and in the feeling of myself being in my right place, ideal, perfect, whole, and allow that to be the pattern through which the universe manifests, which means that we're always brought to the place that is the ideal for us, the place where we are, <clears throat> the place that we're designed to be. You know, each one of us has uh, a unique, uh, unique set of characteristics, um, uh, aptitudes, interests. And so we have seven and a half billion people on the planet and no two of them look alike. No two are identical. And no two have the same, as far as we know, have the same fingerprints. No two have the ear that looks the same way, an iris that looks the same way. The universe is amazingly creative, and it just comes up with all these variations on a theme that are quite amazing. And not only do we all look different, but each one of us is kind of wired up in a little different way. So we have interests we have things that are that we consider to be pleasurable and fun and joyful that are fulfilling that are unique to us and we have things that we have to offer that are unique to us to our experience our background our learning 
um, our states of consciousness and awareness. And so whatever it is that we're doing, wherever we have been led at this point, we can be providing a useful service. Everything that is being done needs to be done for the good of the whole planet. Everything is important. There is no, no, uh, no job, no occupation, no service that is more important than another. We make distinctions. We say, oh, well, you know, the, the, the head of this multi-billion dollar corporation is a really special, powerful person. And, you know, they deserve more respect than the guy who's coming around emptying the trash cans and sweeping the floor. But it's not true. Each one of these is doing the thing that they are have a capacity for doing and that they find um, that they think can do well and that is fulfilling. So, so all positions, no matter what it is, are useful and important. So we don't need to be judging ourselves in terms of what others are doing, but rather in terms of our own inner fulfillment and our own inner um, uh, resonance with life. And I remember a story, a little story about uh, once upon a time, there was a farmer uh, who lived in a rural community and he had a, a barn and he had uh, uh, a few animals, a few cows, and he had a horse, his favorite horse, his beautiful white mare was his, his pride and joy. And, um, and she was really a beauty. And so one day, his son was out uh, grooming the, the mare, grooming the horse. And when he finished, he left the door to the paddock open and the horse escaped and ran away. And so the next day, the next door neighbor came over uh, to the farmer and he said, wow, this is terrible news. I'm so sorry. I know how much you loved that horse and how special it was. And, you know, and now it's gone. And... Uh, I, I really, I'm, I'm so sorry for you. And the farmer's response was, you never know. So then the next day, uh, the horse came back, this beautiful white horse, and there was a big black stallion following her. And the stallion followed her into the paddock, into the corral, and the farmer closed the fence, closed the door. And so now he had both his beautiful white mare and this amazing big black stallion. Um, and so the neighbor came over and said, wow, that's really good luck. I mean, amazing. You, this horse is a remarkable horse and now you have two and uh, what a blessing. And the farmer's response was, you never know. So the next day, the farmer's teenage son was feeling his oats and so he was gonna go out and start to, to break the the new uh, stallion so that they, he could be read, uh, ridden. And, and so he gets out there and starts to, you know, lead him around the paddock and finally jumps up on his back and the stallion bucks and throws him off. And in the process, the boy breaks his leg. And so now the neighbor comes over and goes, oh, well, this is terrible, terrible news. Your son's broken his leg. And, you know, in a dark day when that horse came in, because now you're poor, son will be hobbling around here for some months and the farmer said you never know so the next day the military comes through and they're conscripting all the young men to go off to war and so because the son has a broken leg and he's running around with a cast and a, and a crutch 
they don't take him. So the neighbor comes over and says, wow, really kind of fortuitous that your son broke his leg. And the farmer said, you never know. And so this is our life. You never know. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what's next. We never do. It's always a surprise, thankfully. So if I had told you last Christmas that in three months, everyone would be locked in their houses, restaurants would be closed, the whole planet would be sick, the economies would be tanking, nobody would have money, jobs would be lost, and the whole system would be totally up in the air. Nobody would know what was coming next or how to deal with it. If I said that was going to happen in three months, your response would be, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You never know. And what's coming next? You see, where do we go from here? Nobody knows. We have experts. We have medical experts. We have economic experts. We have social experts. We have people everywhere on the planet. And now that we're all so well connected, we all can, we can hear everybody's opinion. And everybody has opinions. Nobody knows. Nobody knows any more how this is going to come out than they knew that how it was going to emerge and, and, and what form it would take. So, so it's up to us to be reminded that, that these fluctuations, that the vibrations of creation, manifestation are constantly in change, that there is no firm ground to stand on except our awareness of our own soul nature, that we can always be grounded in this awareness of what we are. I am an expression of pure consciousness. As Roy would say, this is, we are an expression of the pure essence of ultimate reality. And we are not separate from it, we are it. And so we move through our days and through our, uh, through our adventure of a lifetime and we should be doing so mindfully and with great appreciation not with fear and anticipation and anxiety about where we go from here and what's happening next, because this is foolishness. We don't know, nobody does, and whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And if we are grounded in ourselves, then we will be able to respond appropriately as things happen, as things emerge, as conditions change. We will be able to respond rather than reacting, and we can be always joyful in the process. So this life, and by the way, our meditation, we sit to meditate and some have the idea that this is a, a chore, you know, that we have to somehow break through in our meditation. Meditation is just simply an opportunity to rest and be with ourself. It has no objective. There is no, we don't get any extra experience points, to, you know, so we can get to the next level. We just rest in meditation and it's just like we dance. We dance in order to dance. We don't dance to see how quickly we can get across the dance floor. We don't dance for any purpose except to enjoy dancing. We listen to music. And as we listen to music, we hear the, each note as it comes and its relation to the notes uh, after, I mean, the notes before and where it's going with the notes after. And if we're able to let go of the notes as they play, 
are able to appreciate and be in the flow of the music and it's happening in this moment. If we get stuck on one note, the music stops. So we have to be participating, be in harmony, be dancing in our meditation. We sit to meditate in order to meditate. That's it. And we live in order to live. So each moment that we have is an opportunity to be alive, you see. This moment right now, again, I think it was uh, Sunro Suzuki who, who said this moment is not a rehearsal for something later. You know, so many people live their lives making plans for the future. Well, I'm going to put up with this job for a certain amount of time so I'll have enough money. And then, you know, when I retire, I'll be able to do all these things. And when I get to the point that I'm ready to retire, I'm not interested in the things that I was saving up for. Wow. Meanwhile, I have a life, you know. So we want to pay attention to being alive and being mindful and being present and being conscious of where we are right now, what's happening, how we can move and resonate with it as it moves through its cycles, as it moves through its changes, and in the process at all times to be joyful and to see that life is this wonderful blessing and everybody, all of us are in this together. The ones that know it and the ones that don't know it. But, but you know, whether you know it or don't know it, it's happening and it's happening as and through each and every one of us. So we have opportunities to move fully and harmoniously with life at all times. And I'm, <laughs> I'm reminded of the story about the fellow who's driving his pickup truck along and the state trooper comes up and pulls him over and comes up and he looks in the back of the pickup truck and he says, you know, you got a pickup truck bed is full of penguins. You got to take these penguins to the zoo. And, uh, and the, the driver says, uh, yes, uh, yes, officer. Thank you. I'll do that. And so he goes on his way. And, and then the next day he's driving down the road and the same police officer pulls him over again. And, as the police officer's coming up, he looks in the back of the pickup truck and he said, he sees the whole pickup bed, is, the truck bed is full of penguins wearing sunglasses. And he tells the driver, he says, I thought I told you to take these penguins to the zoo. And the driver says, yes, sir, I took them to the zoo yesterday. Today I'm taking them to the beach. So we don't always hear exactly what's being said. Our communication isn't always perfect and impeccable. So we want to make sure that we are that we are open and receptive, that we are listening closely, that the teachings that we are um, assimilating when we read Mr. Davis's works, um, you know, it's like each paragraph is a nugget. Um, really, really remarkable in his ability to just take the essence of what is and to put it in these beautiful little nuggets. Each paragraph we can look at, it's a whole teaching. And I tell you, because I have, you know, tried to break these things down and, you know, take a section to make an article or edit his talks, you know, to find a good place that's a breaking off point. And uh, there's just so much there, so much. So 
it's very useful for us to to be open, to be listening, uh, and to just take these little nuggets and to sit with them. To it's very easy when we're reading to just kind of read and read and oh yeah, that's good and more information and we keep reading and reading and we're not really digesting we're really not assimilating we're not metabolizing we're not making it allowing it to become part of us and this is the gift that he has left us with our teachers if we really listen and if we chew our food well you know if we if we sit with these teachings and and contemplate and and try to understand my way is to say what was he thinking when he wrote this what was he trying to tell me what was he trying to communicate? Where was he in consciousness when he wrote that sentence? You see, so so we go kind of deeper. We go behind the the just the the words and the superficial, and we go deeper in order to come into uh, a deeper awareness, a resonance. And when we do this, then we assimilate and metabolize these teachings. They become part of us, and the teacher lives within us. So our great gurus in this tradition, Roy and um, Swami Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda, and Swami Sri Yukteswar, and Lahiri Baba, and Mahamuni Babaji, all of these great teachers influenced and became part of, each of their students, and their students have passed this consciousness and their beingness to us, and they're alive within us living within us part of our consciousness part of our mind part of our operating system and so we can um we can honor this and we can come into attunement with this by letting go of the ego the sense of separation by letting go of habits non-useful behaviors focusing on what's useful what brings us joy and pleasure what is useful service that we can provide in the world and to allow us to really live the ideal life, live, live life in the best way that we can possibly imagine for ourselves, for our friends, and for our world. And we can do that, right?